morning. Thank you. You may be seated. If you are visiting, don't judge the church by today, this portion going forward. Kevin and Devin, our pastors, we'll be back in the pulpit next Sunday. Um, and we have missed them. But we are, um, I love that they have had this time off because they will come back. Uh, I know they're coming back refreshed, ready, rejuvenated. What other R words can I throw in there? They are, in my view, the greatest pastors on the planet. Um, and we have a wonderful anointed team of people who facilitate all of this happening. These, these services just don't happen. The church just doesn't happen. The administration doesn't just happen. There's a lot of people involved and we are very, very grateful. I, I never would like to come to a platform wherever I am and not give honor where honor is due. I, I have a great love and appreciation for the worship team here at our church. They put their whole hearts into this every single day. And I think it's important that if you've heard me ever before say this, I say it with great boldness. There are some churches I go to on Sunday mornings and I encourage them with tremendous vigor. Have you considered CDs? It's important that I say that, that you understand I'm not a pastor. <laughs> Pastors' jobs are to comfort those who are afflicted. My job is to afflict those who are comfortable. I am anointed to do so. <laughs> I might make you mad, but look deep into my blue eyes and see there is no care whatsoever because <laughs> I have cast that care. Now listen, if you can't have fun in life, you're doing something wrong. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm going through. You're not going through anything. You work with God. That just puts a big target on your back. People tell me all the time when I'm in, when I'm, I'm ministering. We're actually, we're coming up in, in about 60 days. I will I will minister at my 4,000th event, and God's orchestrating where we're going to do that. And it's it's now two and a half million students uh, that we've been able to reach, and we're now north of 300,000 young people who've given their hearts to the Lord. And you know why that is? I'll tell you why. It has very little to do with me. God's, my, my wife, Lori, will tell you in a heartbeat, God spoke through a donkey. He'll speak through Dean. What's God looking for from anyone in this room, from anyone watching online? Our yes. That's it. You don't have to overcomplicate this. You don't have to have a lot of letters after your name. Nothing wrong with letters. I'm all for that. I'm all for education. I'm just telling you what qualifies us is our yes. Because when we say yes, he begins to open doors that no man can shut. He begins to shut doors that no man can open. I asked the Lord what he wanted me to talk about today because, you know, when you're, when you're in your home church, it doesn't, I, don't get to, I don't do this very often um, just because our schedule is such and we, we've got enough pastors on the front row usually that if Kevin or Devin are going to be gone anywhere, then all they got to do is who, who drew the, the stick today? There's, I mean, there's every, everyone on the staff preaches. So it's very rare that I even do this, but I, so I asked the Lord, and I said, you know, Lord, your scripture, your word says that a prophet is not without honor except in his. You ever gone to an English class and walked out just so frustrated because when you went to English, all they taught was English? You go to a math class and ever walk out going, I can't believe all she teaches is math. 
history. I wish he would talk about something other than history sometime. Why do they do that? It's their assignment. If you're part of this church, you know that this church is all about sons and daughters. You know it's all about creating a culture. You know it's all about helping people come to the knowledge of who they are in Christ. It's what this church does. It's, it's uh, what is the mission to be the most what? Loving. I'm glad four of you knew that. That's wonderful. We're doing a great job of communicating that. To be the most loving church in the world. Well, how, how is that even possible? Some, there is going to be a church out there that's going to do it. Why not us? When I play golf and I hit a pitching wedge from about 120 yards in, the ball is going to stop rolling on the green. And at some point, the ball is going to stop. My theory in life is why not stop rolling in the hole? He who aims at nothing hits his target with remarkable accuracy. Nothing in your life will ever become dynamic until it first becomes specific. So when I asked the Lord, what do you want me to say? He, he was, I could almost hear him just kind of go, <laughs> are you serious? What I always want you to say. What is our message? Our message is always about hope. It's always driven by faith. And it's always concluding with those two words, you matter. And they're based out of Job 33, 4 that says, the spirit of God made you and the breath of the almighty gave you life. That's just not for teenagers. That's for anyone who's breathing. God has never made a mistake. He's not going to start with you. He created you on purpose, with purpose, and for purpose. Many, many people are living life today. Lori and I were just at a, at, a, at a meeting with a guy that's been in ministry for over 40-something years, and I needed to just go talk with somebody for a little bit. So he and I were talking. Lori and I were there, the three of us, and he looked at me and said, you know, Dean, it's, it's your job to show up. It's God's job to give you a reason to keep coming back. profound I see a lot of people on the road and when you go through something you begin to recognize it in other people right that's why I I was taught early early on and I've lived it for now we've we've been in our own ministry for 31 years 8 months and 6 days and I've lived this and then here's what I've lived I don't ever minister from what I am currently going through I minister from what I have come through or whatever the Lord shows me is coming next but not what I'm going through why? Because you're still going through it. Here's what I've learned. Many, many people live life working for love instead of from a position of love. I've got to do this so that I can then have this. For many, many years, my life, our ministry was a, that's okay, I love when that happens is an absolute mirrored image of transactional Christianity. What does that mean? If I do this, then God will do this. If and then, if and, and that's all through the word. But if that is the motivation of your heart, then what you're missing out on is one word called intimacy. And if you don't have it, you can't give it. If you don't have love, you can't minister love. And if you don't have love, guess what? You don't have operating in your life, faith. Thank you. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word. It says faith works by love and then faith is released by action. There is always a corresponding action that comes with faith. And if there's no action, there's no results. And I see a lot of people saying, I tried faith, Dean. It didn't work for me. And I would say therein is the challenge. The Bible does not say the just shall try by faith. It says the just shall 
live by faith. This is not a one and done. This is every single day, 24 hours a day. Just get up, keep moving, and you're constantly... Listen, when I got in my car this morning and I pushed the button, I had faith the thing was going to start. Lori and I were on vacation with our kids, and we were coming home, and we were... We were in Lori's car, and she refuses to get another car. She just really, she has a a car that um, has 301,000 miles on it. I'm like, this is good for me because that means she likes to stay connected. (laughs) I said, honey, why don't we, let's get you another. No, I like this one. Let's just just have it redone. I said, okay, that's what you want. I mean, I I trade cars like the weather. So, I mean, she's like, no, I like this one. So, we were driving home, and our GPS sent us a way that we have never gone home before. And we've gone to this place for vacation for 26 years. We're driving home. Our, our two, two of our kids are with us or three of our kids are in a car behind us. We're all going. We're on the back roads. I don't know where we are. And I see on Lori's dashboard, the battery light come on. Does that mean anything to you all? Well, full transparency, it meant nothing to me other than that's probably not a good sign. I know two things about cars. Gas and oil. It's okay to laugh. It's just the truth. So we're driving along. I go, Lori, look, it's uh, that battery light's on. She goes, huh. I go, and I get this prompting, like, call. So I called the guy that works on our cars. I go, hey. He says, Dean, that's that's your alternator. He said, your car is going to die. I said, it's not going to die. He said, you better stop and get it fixed. Now, this was the Friday leading into Memorial Day weekend. So we're driving along, and I go, what do you think, sweetheart? She goes, let's just pray and trust God and keep driving. <laughs> That's faith. There's a corresponding action. Let's just pray, trust God, and keep driving. We're 324 miles from home, and I got a battery light blinking at me. And I'm talking to it. I'm telling it to turn off because it makes me uncomfortable if it turned on. It goes off. I go, praise God. Thank you, Lord. About 60 miles, here it comes again. I go, you devil, in Jesus' name, turn off. This car runs fine. It's broken. Nothing broken, nothing turned up on it. It's going to be just fine. We keep driving. We get, I don't know, we're probably 70 miles from Atlanta. And um, Jim Bassam's one of my pilots, and Jim flies with us all, every week somewhere. We're going somewhere, and he's, I, he just knows everything. So I call him, I go, Jim, this is what's going on. He goes, That's your alternator. You better get off the interstate and get it fixed. So we get about 20 miles outside of Atlanta. The thing's just blinking at me. Now it's just a pure, bold battery. And the Holy Ghost tells me, get off this exit right here. So I did. We go down to this store. We go in. I meet a gentleman. They go, I say, do you come take a look at this? It's a car place. He goes, sure. He brings his little machine out there, hooks it all up. He says, now turn your engine off. I said, well, if I turn my engine off, may not start back up. He says, no, no, we'll get you started. I said, okay, great. We turn it off. He puts it on there. Look, Dean, everything looks good. Alternator, battery, starter. It all checks out. Check, check, check. You're fine. Praise God. Give him some money. Take off. We stop at Chick-fil-A. By the way, if you want to know where basically humanity is on Memorial Day weekend coming through Atlanta, Georgia, I found, I found them. I'm sitting there going, dear Lord, where are all of you people going? We get through with Chick-fil-A. We drive on up the road. We are now 30 about 31 and a half miles from our driveway, according to the GPS. And the Spirit of God says, get over one lane now. It pays to listen. People say this to me all the time. I don't ever hear God talking. Well, you're not listening. Because he is speaking. It would be cruel for him to speak to me and not speak to you. It would be unscriptural 
He has no, he shows no partiality, the word says. I get over one lane and all of a sudden every light that can come on comes on that dashboard and I lose all power and we coast over to the, to the emergency lane. My first thought was, thank you, this did not happen 320 miles ago. So I asked the Lord, I said, well, just hop on your phone. Let's find somebody. So in about, she found somebody to come to help. That's got to go on that flatbed. And our kids are behind us. So they pull over. And um, I said, Lord, honey, just, just going home. I'll, I'll stay here. I'll wait for this guy. Then we'll, I'll be right behind you. Probably be there in about an hour. So she goes ahead and she leaves. And I'm standing there. And I'm just watching. I mean, I mean there's hundreds of cars just flying by. And not one person seems to have a thought to stop and help. I'm in ministry. <laughs> well, for that matter, I'm on television five days a week. And I go, Lord, what is this? And here's what he said to me. When was the last time you stopped to help someone? Everything in the kingdom of God is seed time and harvest. He said, I bet next time you see someone, you'll have some compassion. So I stood there and I just watched everybody bunch of sinners drove past. Not at one of them stopped. <laughs> and then here comes this young man, and there's a, there's a lady in front of him with a little siren on her car. She slows traffic down. He moves over. He gets in front of my car. He gets out. He's, he's hot. He's sweaty. He doesn't smell great because it's, you know, it's Memorial Day weekend. It's, and now at this point, it's about 7 o'clock at night, maybe 7.30. And he, he's on the other side of the, end of, the, of, the, of the flatbed. He's where all the trucks are passing by so fast. He crawls over the flatbed gets our car hooked up, comes over to me, and he starts giving me every four-letter word you can think of, telling me how hot it is, how much he hates being on that side of the truck and those cars, and I'm sitting there going, hi, <laughs> thanks for showing up. We get, in this, we get in this truck, it smells worse, it's hot, and he has this sentence coming out of his mouth. He goes, do you care if we stop to get some gas? <laughs> Did that thought not cross your mind before you picked me up? I go, well, if, it's, if the alternative is walking, then get some gas. I'm all for it. So he starts telling me the stories we're driving into the, the, to the Walnut Avenue exit. He starts telling me his life story, how he'd been in a horrible crash and how things had happened. He'd been in rehab for, for like, I mean, three and a half months. He, he and his girlfriend are now married. They've got two kids. They were twins. He, he began, every other word that was still this, blank this, blank that. And I said, well, do you like what you do? No, I hate it. What did you do before you did this? He told me. I said, did you enjoy that? No, I hated it too. You're enjoying life, aren't you, man? And suddenly the Holy Spirit gets my attention. And I begin to understand, this is an assignment. Did God break my car? No, that's what the devil does. Don't give the devil credit or God credit for what the devil does. The devil, here's how can you know. Good God, bad devil. The devil comes to steal, kill, destroy. God does not give you sickness and say, okay, how much faith do you have? That's an insult to the cross. It's when you and I choose to believe what the word says and we stand in faith and we refuse to be moved by whatever the enemy throws our way, then you're standing in faith. We'll get to that in a minute. I, I will open my Bible just to prove to you I can read in a second. So this guy and I are driving up 75. He's still every other word. And I'm just sitting there. And he goes, you mind if I smoke? I'm screaming on the inside, yes, I mind. He goes, I go, well, I, my eyes do get a little, you know, irritated with this. 
I said, I guess I can roll my window down. I'm being plied. He takes me seriously. Yeah, roll your window down. It'll be fine. So now I'm sitting in a truck with a guy who smells bad, hates what he's doing, told me his whole life story in the last 20 minutes. We're driving up an interstate. He's doing something he doesn't want to be doing that's hotter than, the, the, than literally the, the, the temperature of the sun. He's now smoking. My eyes are getting irritated. And the Holy Spirit goes, this is an assignment. I don't want it. <laughs> Ever felt that way? Be honest. God's watching. And so... We're getting up to Eastridge exit, for those of you who know the exit. And you know, for whatever reason, Chattanooga has semi-exploded. There's traffic everywhere. And I see, he looks at his GPS, he goes, oh, I gotta get off the exit here at Eastridge. I said, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it, man. It's it, right around the corner, it opens up, it's fine. He goes, no, no, I'm, I, gotta, I said, dude, let me help you. I live here, don't do it. He gets off. Did I mention I wasn't a pastor? I just look at him like, you've got to be kidding me. He goes, oh, it's moving. I probably shouldn't have gotten off. I said, yeah, yeah. there's a thought. He goes, I know what I'll do. I'm going to beat the system. And the Holy Ghost says to me, get ready. I'm going to beat the system. We get to our home. He backs into our driveway. He lowers the flatbed. He walks over to me and goes, Hey, I can't unhook your car till you pay me. I go, you haven't asked me to pay you yet. How much do I owe you? He told me. I pulled out my credit card, and he goes, that's one of those heavy ones. I go, yeah. He goes, I want to get one of those. I said, I did too for a long time. Then the Holy Spirit says to me, bless him. I said, how much? And the, Lord's talking, the Lord told me. And so I blessed him. And I looked at this guy, and I went, you know, I've listened to you talk for the last 45 minutes. And I'm really thankful that you and I have had this time together, and I may never see you again. If you died in the next 30 minutes, heaven or hell, and his face changed, and every four-letter word he had said over the last 43 minutes went right back through his mind, and here was, here was his response. He said, I'm not a good person. I've done a lot of bad things. And I said to him, I'm not a good person. I've done a lot of bad things. I said, hell is not full of bad people. And heaven's sure not full of good people. The fact that we're going to get to heaven is nothing short of the grace of God, not because we're so good. And he looked at me and he just said, I said, here's, here's your receipt. That guy went from cussing. Here was his next sentence with tears filled his eyes. He went, Dean. Thank you. You have just, watch this, blessed my family. It wasn't what, I, forget what I did. I was just, that was just my yes. It was the Holy Ghost set the whole thing up. So when you and I go through life and we're just, you know, maybe your car breaks down or you're at a gas station, how many times does the Lord prompt you, pay for their gas? Why would I pay for their gas? Nobody's ever paid for mine. There's a reason no one's ever paid for your gas. just the truth. I played golf the other day with an Olympic gold medalist. doesn't matter who it was. He's become a very dear friend of mine. And he said to me, what you do inspires me. And it wasn't, he wasn't trying to, you know, pump me up. He was just, he was being honest. And I left that and I thought, Lord, why did he say that? 
And the Lord said to me, because you're just being real. What happens when we get rid of all the stuff that we try to portray to people that we're trying to be something? What happens when we just are honest and go, you know what? I've had a tough week. And I just like to have you, I like to just talk to you about it. Well, that's not faith. Oh, no, no, no. Is it not faith? Because faith isn't always what we think it is. Faith isn't just shouting, you know, name it, claim it, grab it, blab it, all that. I mean, I'm all for, I'm all for the principles of faith. I live by these principles. But I'm talking about when was the last time you had enough guts to let your guard down a little bit and go, I just, I'm having a tough time on something here. If you knew, and one day you will, if you knew what Lori and I have come through in the last 12 months, if you really knew, you would look at us and go, how in the world have you functioned in the last 12 months? It's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. See, you don't know what we're going through, but let me help you. We don't know what you're going through. And so many people in church play church. They just walk in. Everything's great. They put a smile on their face, sit down, sing four songs, raise their hand, give some money, walk out, and they're no different whatsoever, not because the word wasn't preached, not because the music didn't touch their heart because it was anointed, but because they refused to get real. When are you gonna get real? When are you gonna walk out of the doors totally different than you walked, how you walked into the doors? What if we only had, what if, what if, the two words I hate to say the most, but what if he was about to split that sky in the next three days? What would you do if you had 72 hours left and you knew it? How would you live differently? Who would you go make it right with? I'm not gonna miss heaven over unforgiveness. You don't know what they've done to me. You're right, I don't. I haven't shared this in a long time because I haven't ministered here in a long time. So there's a lot of new people here and there's a lot of new people watching online. So when I asked the Lord what he wanted me to talk about it, he told me, I mean, at 5.15 this morning, I heard it so loudly, the hair on the back of my neck heard it. Here's what he said. All things are possible to those who believe. Let me just read you a scripture. <laughs> I told somebody, I don't know who it was. I said, I've got about 4,000 messages going off inside of me. This is why you've got to be you, Right? You don't, you don't want to be Devin. You don't want to be Kevin. You don't want to be any of the worship team. You want to be you. If I try to lay out a message with three points and a poem or whatever, it, it's the most, it, my brain just can't function. But if I pray in tongues and go, okay, Holy Ghost, whatever you want to say, I'm, I'm going to say it. It happens every time. Again, what's, what's, the, what's the message? When are you ready to be the true, authentic you? Here's the scripture I got. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Because if you're not in the faith and you're acting like it, you know what you're in? There's my setup. Get ready. This is serious. You're a counterfeit. 
you, what's the Bible say? Just read it to you. Test yourselves. Do you know yourselves that you are in Jesus Christ? Unless indeed you are, watch this word, disqualified. According to the Bible, if you're not in the faith, you're disqualified. What is a counterfeit? Someone who looks like they've got it all together on the outside and there's nothing on the inside. You can, listen, you can, you can quote scripture and verse all day long. You can put on a suit, you can put on a starch shirt, you can have cuff pants, you can have the watch, you can, you can have all the stuff you think you have to have, but if you don't have that active, alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword coming out of your heart, through your lips, into the society in which you live, then I question what you're doing. Well, I'm not called to preach. Yeah, no, 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 no. We're all called to the ministry of reconciliation. Do you think that you don't have people that God has assigned in your life that he wants you to minister to? You, let me help you. You do not have to stand on one of these, stand behind one of these, and to be in ministry. Some of the most effective people in ministry that I know are not behind platforms. So, counterfeit Christianity. What is that? It's when we try to look like, sound like, mirror those who are actually doing something for God, but we don't have what it takes to make it happen ourselves. Aren't you glad we already received the offering? When I was 15 years old, I grew up in a Christian home. I was in a large Baptist church. We went to church on Sunday mornings. We went to Sunday school at 9.30 to 10.30. Church started at 11. And by 12.02, the service was over. And if God moved, it was 12.07. Anybody relate? Here's what I couldn't understand. Why did people look more unhappy when they walked out of church than they did when they walked into church? It's called religion. When you and I grow up like that, and if you didn't grow up like that, then and you don't have religion in you, then you're ahead of the ballgame. I went to church on Wednesday nights, went to the RAs, Royal Ambassadors. Ate dinner at church on Wednesday nights. Dinner started at 6.30, church started at 7. We were out by 8. I was home by 8.15, whatever, 8.30. Went to a Christian school. All my friends were Christians. Life was wonderful until this Wednesday afternoon, a friend of mine picked me up from my school, drove me to their home, walked me down a long hall in this monstrous house, and with me being as naive as a person can be at 15 years old, I was sexually abused and didn't tell anybody for 22 years. Now, I wasn't going to go here today, but the Spirit of God just told me to while I was speaking a few minutes ago. And he told me to because there's going to be, there's, there's one thing that has to happen for your faith to truly connect and work. We'll get to that one thing in a second. The abuse happened. It was over. I remember going downstairs in this monstrous home playing ping pong. Then I went to church. <laughs> And that began me on a 22-year journey that turned into a 35-year journey where when I looked in the mirror, I saw someone who was broken, damaged, and full of shame. 
22 years later, married, two of our three kids, I walk into a Home Depot. That sentence in and of itself is humorous when you know me. Well, why would I even be at a Home Depot? I'm glad people go, but I mean, I don't know what I'm even looking for. It's just, it's, I walk in, I'm like, why am I here? I'm walking down this long aisle, I turn right, kid on each side, holding hands, and I turn right and I walk right into the person who had abused me. And my world unraveled. I share this everywhere I go in schools. Here's the sentence that I always am led to say, if you and I do not deal with our emotions, our emotions will deal with us. They do not go away. Hurting people, hurt people. Healed people, help people get healed. What does pain seek? Pleasure. Show me someone who's an addict. They're not, they're not bad people. They have pain that they're trying to numb out because and that and anesthesia of whatever causes them to escape from the pain. Are they bad people? No. Are they making bad choices? Just be put me at the top of the list. of bad. I mean, I've made bad choices, but our choices create our circumstances. I was on TBN, I was on Daystar, I was reaching a quarter of a billion with a B people uh, every time I shared my testimony on television. And after I ran into this person and my life unraveled, I could not function. I went home that night, Lori looked at me, she says, what is wrong? I said, not right now, let's get the kids fed, put them to bed. That night, at 507 Sharondale Road, at 8.15 in the evening, we walked outside, I said, Lori, 22 years ago, I was sexually abused. Today, I ran into another person. You're the first person I've ever had the guts to tell. She took two steps back, her eyes filled with tears. She said, everything makes sense. We've got to get you some help. Being the strong person of faith that I am, I said, no. I know the word, I got the Holy Ghost, I don't need help. She said, that's pride, you do. She said, if you got a horrific diagnosis from your medical doctor, would you go get help? Yeah, this is no different. So I'm at an appointment. With whom? A Christian counselor. And I went to that big door to open that door to walk in. And on this side of myself, I heard the enemy going, you're on television, somebody's gonna recognize you. On this side, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Let me help you. You and I will never beat thoughts with thoughts. We beat thoughts with words, and words in red always win. If you try to beat the devil with thoughts, he will beat your brains out. If you begin to speak, you'll begin to see things just like that. Well, I don't feel like, this isn't about what you feel like doing. Let me help you. This is not feelings. This is faith, which requires corresponding action. And again, let's, let's be very, let's, I want to make sure I'm, I'm really clear here because here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 4. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. What's pleasant to you and what's precious to you? Yesterday, I was on our boat with Lori and, and Will, our son, and his, and his wife, Marta, and I thought, this boat's pleasant. My God, these, these people in the boat, they're precious to me. Last night at dinner, when our families gathered around our table, we're all having this dinner. I didn't say a whole lot. I'm sure people were wondering, what's wrong? Why isn't he talking? I was thinking, this is precious. Because you don't know what you had until you almost don't have it. So I began this 
Walked into that counseling's office, counselor's office at Hyam Dean Sykes. I'm here for my appointment. By the third appointment, sitting there, my best friend from high school who was in pharmaceutical rep sales walked in and went, Sykes, what are you doing here? I'm sitting here in a counselor's office. What do you think I'm doing? I didn't get lost. I didn't make a wrong turn. I clearly have an appointment. Why else would I be sitting here? And I had to go, oh, this is a pride moment. I went, oh, I've got an appointment. And he was like, oh. It's not a death sentence. It's just an appointment. And we began to unpack and unpack and unpack. Because oftentimes, if we don't deal with the root, all we're dealing with is the fruit. And dealing with the fruit is good, but it doesn't solve the root. So I began this journey. And, all, and, and by the way, the whole time, I'm in full-time ministry. I'm bouncing you know, from South Africa to South Australia. I'm speaking every week. Thousands and we, we reached a thousand, we reached a hundred thousand kids every year the first decade to reach a million students in, in 10 years, just like that. Why? I said, yes. What's God want to do with you? What's he asking you to do? And let me help you. There are two words in the, in the, in the, in the Greek language that are not there. The two words that are not in the Greek language are, are coincidence and retirement. They're not there. You may retire from a job. You will not retire from a calling. Well, I just ran into this guy. Coincidentally, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. During this whole time, I'm still progressing, but it's called, psychology would call it arrested development. I stopped developing at 15 because I was sexually abused. I kept growing but emotionally, I wasn't keeping up. You ever see adults who just seem like they're just so silly and they just act like silly all the time? Trace it back. There's something there. For you parents, I just let me just jump to my main thing as a speaker to teenagers. As a parent, if all you ever hear from your kids, especially teenagers, is everything's great, nothing, nothing, everything's great, all is well, nothing's going on, start looking. Because it's not. Every day in America, 5,600 teenagers attempt suicide. Those aren't my numbers. That's CDC out of Atlanta, 5,600. That's up post-COVID from, it used to be 5,240 pre-COVID. Post, 5,600. The arena down here would fill up every two and a half days with teenagers who in the previous 60 hours bought the lie. Every two and a half days. Why do you think we go with such passion? Why do you think we, I go as much as I go? Because I'm not the savior, but man, I sure do know him. Find out what you're anointed to do and go do it. Whether you're the youngest here or the oldest here or watching right. Thank you, Father. He told me to tell you this. There are some preachers sitting in this audience and there are some preachers watching me and you think your season is over and you're ready to quit. And I almost missed this. But he told me sitting right there 45 minutes ago, he said, I'll prompt you and you tell him your season isn't over until I say it's over. So, Keep moving, keep speaking, keep traveling, but I'm hurting. One day I said to Lori, this is probably, we've been married 27 years at this point, so this would have been about 
15 years ago. I said, why don't you ever travel with me? I said, everywhere I go, especially when I do conventions or churches, I'm always asked, is your wife with you? And I'm going, no, no, you're, she's home. And it's always because the kids, we all, you know, we've got three kids, I understand. But why don't you, what's the, what's the deal? She said, you don't want to know the answer. I said, well, I asked the question. Her two-word response was, it pinned me to the back of wherever I was. She said, you're mean. I'm what? Your words. It's your greatest gift. You are a communicator, but your words hurt me. And I was like, sorry seems so insincere. And I said, Lord, and he said to me, if words can tear down, do you know? Words can build up. And I began to do some building. Why are you so transparent with all this personal stuff? I tried the other, the other way. It didn't work. I'm as free as you can be. Because here's why. If I got enough whatever it takes to tell you my stuff and not care if you like me or not, I mean, I could care less if, if you're with our ministry. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I care about hearing well done. I mean, I, I speak with millions of people, literally millions. I have an audience of one. When I stand before him, I'm either going to hear, well done, or what were you thinking? So, in the, all of this, one day the Lord asked me a question. Here's that one thing I wanted to talk to you about, about as it connects you to faith. He said, uh, you've, you've carried this whole thing about the abuse for a long time. I said, yeah, I have. He said, you've been through a lot of counseling. I said, yes, sir, I have. He said, you're doing better. I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, but I don't think you know that you're not free yet. I said, well, what's, what am I missing? He said, will you forgive the person who did this to you? My immediate response was no, <laughs> not even maybe. I won't, I won't actually tell you what I actually said, but it was, the, the message was no. <laughs> and he goes, why not? I said, it's not fair. I didn't do anything wrong. And his next question changed my life. Was the cross fair, do you know? Well, why did you have to go there? And then his next statement took me some time to get past, to be totally honest. He said, you know, I, I love that person that hurt you as much as I love you. That was hard for me. That was like, Man, my love walking in nowhere near, it's nowhere near where it should be. Then he took me over to his word and he said, remember, I love you, Dean, as much as I love Jesus, and I tell you that in my word. Love. I said, Lord, but what do I do? He said, will you forgive? I said, I told you no. I said, I'll get back to you. It took me three days. No exaggeration. It took me three days. Because I wasn't going to lie to the Holy Ghost. Ananias and Sapphira died. They carried them out deader than dead. <laughs> we better take this seriously. Everybody's thinking, well, God's got so much mercy. He, there's a point where he says, I turn you over to your reprobate minds. He has limits. Well, I don't believe in hell. You're going to have a bad day, man. I said, I'll get back to you. It took me three days. I went back after three days. I said, Father, 
I'll, I'll forgive. Do I have to go to the person? No, bring it to me. So I did. And I can promise you, I can take from that day to this day, he has done this. It's a meteoric rise on our ministry. It has taken us to places I never dreamed possible. Why? Because when we get forgive, we get free. And maybe today, sitting here today or watching online or watching on our television broadcast, however you're seeing this, maybe, just maybe, you'd have no idea what I'm talking about. Maybe you just walk around mad all the time. This week, last Sunday, while Lori and I have been out, well, she's, Lori travels with me now. I didn't tell you that part of the story. Yeah. We, we were, in the, in the last little bit, we've been in New Orleans, we've been in Charleston, we've been in South Georgia, we were just in Fort Worth. Everywhere we've gone, I told my scheduler, don't send me to the hottest layers of hell during the summer. When we took off uh, Monday night, right, Jim? Monday night at 10.04 Fort Worth time, it was 97 degrees. Who willfully lives there? Outside of what God did Monday night at this convention where I spoke, how wonderful, he just, there were just bodies, there were bodies everywhere. The greatest thing that happened to me that day was when we landed at like one o'clock in the morning, it was 25 degrees cooler. I was like, there is a God who loves us. Um, where was I going with that, I wonder? I start thinking about Lori and my brain goes elsewhere. So, um, oh, we got free. Are we, are we a completed work? Is everything fine? No, we're still working on stuff. If you're looking for perfection, the only place you can look is up. Because everybody down here on a horizontal relationship will disappoint you at some point. I have probably disappointed some of you and had even, don't even know it. I'm so, I apologize. Can, what can I do about it? I don't know. If, you don't, if I've offended you, come talk to me. We'll either get it together or I'll see you in heaven. Either way, it's fine, right? Why? Because God wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to take a deep breath and go, okay, oh, that's where it was. Thank you, Lord. We're, 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 listen, usually at this time, 11.54 in the morning, we still got an hour and a half left before church is over. I'm going to be through in about 10 minutes. If Kevin's watching right now, I do love you. It's the truth. You and I both know it. We've talked about it. I just lost it again. Where were we going, Lord? I really did. There was something that was really powerful. You see, what I guess the point I'm trying to get across to you is just enjoy life and take the pressure off. Just, I mean, seriously. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, when, when it comes to people who are in, I mean, you believe God for something and, and it didn't happen or it hasn't happened yet, that's not a faith failure. That's just it hasn't happened yet. Well, I believe God for someone to, to live and they died. They're more alive today than they were when they were here. I'm believing God for finances and nothing, nothing, I don't have any money. Stop confessing that. How did God create the world? He spoke and then he had, he said it, 
He saw it. He said it. He saw it. Then Genesis 1, 27, 28. Then God said, let us create man in our own image. If God created his world by his word, and then he created you to be just like him, I can assure you today that the words you speak are creating the world in which you live. Stop saying I don't have anything. Listen, if you say that, you'll have agreement and it will happen. But if you begin to call those things that be not as though they already were, you'll begin to see things happen. I know this. I live this. But it all is predicated on the seed. I'm not talking about just money. I've had teenagers tell me all the time, I don't have any friends. Look at your face. There's a reason. Smile. It's a seed. Just smile. Freak your face out for a minute. That's a seed. In this altar, yes, sir, I'm ready for you to start. Thank you. Several years ago, Devin and I had missed each other on a couple of, we were trying to get together for something on that weekend and there was a conference. And I was backstage and um, she says, I've got to talk to you. God's given me something. I've got to talk. I said, okay. She came out here and she began pre-service prayer and I was sitting right there. And she says, Dean, come here. I wasn't going to do this publicly, but God told me to. And she began to minister to me about things that, oh, nobody but Jesus and I knew. And near the end of her prophecy, she said, and there's a book. It's the book you've been afraid to write. You have to understand, I've written 31 books. Okay, so it wasn't new news. I was, there was another book coming. It was just, when she said, it's the one you've afraid, been afraid to write, instantly I knew, oh, this is what this is. Some of you, maybe like me, have had rough relationships with parents. I love my mom and dad. My mom's in heaven today. Um, this upcoming March 13th will be four years. My dad's still alive. Get to see him quite often. But my mom and I had a rough relationship. It wasn't all her fault. It wasn't all my fault. It was just a rough relationship. And there were reasons why. And when... Devin gave me that word, it was about four months before my mom went to heaven. After she gave me that word, I had to fly to South, uh, South Africa where I ministered there and just saw God do amazing things. My mom was very, very sick. And in fact, I almost canceled the trip, but the, the Lord said to me, go, she'll be here when you get back. He was faithful to his word. I went, I ministered, did what I was called to do, came home. On March the 13th, 2020, I was in my mom and dad's bedroom with um, a couple nurses, caregivers, my dad, sister, brother-in-law, myself, and all of a sudden, someone starts singing that song, I Can Only Imagine. At 11.32 that morning, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, she no longer has to imagine she's with me. And I remember as my mom took her last breath, I saw her take her last breath here on this side of eternity, and it wasn't, it was like my next breath, the Holy Spirit said, start writing tomorrow. And he said, and by the way, you'll do her service. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. He said, it will bring, watch this, healing to your heart. I believe there's a lot of people today who need healing to your heart. Maybe you've been sexually abused. Maybe you had a bad relationship. Maybe you've gone through a horrific divorce. Maybe you've been through whatever, whatever, whatever that maybe only you and God know about. And I get that. But I went the very next day after checking on my dad, I went to my office and it was, it was raining, I remember, and I began to just pound on my computer. I just started writing. Of, of, I mean, of all the books I've written, 
Billy, my father-in-law, that's all the editing for me. And, and it's like, it's like a blood transfusion when I hand him the, the, your initial document and I get it back. He's like, well, we got a lot of work to do. I said, well, I just, okay. And he begins to just, he just begins to tear it apart and he brings it back together. Then it's done. This one was different. I mean, I just kept writing. It just kept coming. And as the rain was pounding against the window of my office and I was pounding on the keyboard, I was crying like a baby. Why? I was reliving it all. Sometimes we have to go back to go forward. What did she say earlier? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I began to write, and God showed up. And the book that Devin Wallace prophesied into my life, right here, and it's called Accepted My Journey. And it is a journey. <laughs> um, my, some of my, John Bevere, one of my closest friends, wrote the foreword for me. There's a lot of endorsements from a lot of people in there. I tell you that only to tell you this. Here's how the Lord instructed me to end today's service. And it's with every eye closed and every head bowed, please. God's looking for your yes today. And this is going to be a little uncomfortable, perhaps, for some of us, but it's okay because I've been to the other side. It's safe. When Kim talked about if you're not here and you're not, if you're here rather and you're not born again, I bore such witness that there are people here who are not born again. Tomorrow's not promised to any of us. This is what I ask teenagers in schools wouldn't you hate to miss heaven by 30 seconds? Many, many will. I'm not going to pull you out of your seat. I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to ask you about three questions. And if your answer is yes to these questions, raise your hand. If it's not, don't answer. If today was the last day of your life and eternity was knocking on your door. And listen, this is how I know you're here. I have a pounding in the center of my chest. You've got that same pounding. That's the spirit of God saying, please pay attention. Because I don't know what the future holds, but I do know who holds the future. On the count of three, if you would say to me, Dean, I'm not saved. I want to get born again. When I say three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, one, two, three. Hands are already up. One, two, three. Go, please. I see you. Gotcha. Put them down. Second question I'm going to ask you is this. Dean, I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven, but man, there are some areas in my life that are hidden. And I just want God's spirit to shine the light. When something is exposed, it loses its power. Why do you think I have such freedom talking about having been sexually abused? Not that it wasn't painful, not that it wasn't traumatic, not that it wasn't whatever. It's just when God sets you free, man, you're free. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, but you want what I'm talking about, this is your day. There's something in your life that's been hidden for a long time, but you want it, you want it eradicated from your life. When I say three, one, two, one, two, three, but hands up, please. Lots of hands. Okay. Here's my last question. This one is going to take a lot of guts. Dean, you said a word earlier, about 30 minutes ago, and it was counterfeit. If you feel like today, or maybe you know today, you've lived a counterfeit Christianity, and you're ready to leave it at an altar and walk away different than when you walked up here. I know this takes courage. Nobody's watching. Nobody's going to point you out. 
but I said it because the Lord told me to set it, to say it rather, and I'm asking because he's instructed me to ask. If that's you and you want to deal with it today, no one's watching, no one's looking, no one's going to point you out. When I say three, one, two, one, two, three, hands up, please. God, I love your boldness. Put them down, lots of hands. Here's my last question. This is very specific. Maybe you know what it's like to be sexually abused like I do. And maybe you know that pain. And maybe you've never dealt with it. When I say three, if you've got the guts to say you're talking to me, no one's watching. One, two, one, two, three up. Good God. Put them down. Everyone look right at me. Look right up here at me. I asked four questions. I have no idea which of those four questions you may respond to or have responded to. But if you just raised your hand for any four, I'm going to invite you right now to get out of your seat and come forward. Nobody knows why you're coming except you and God. Come quick. Hurry, 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 hurry. Don't let the devil talk you out of this. We've come too far. There were so many hands for that last question. Just make you a line right across the front of the altar here, please. Just come on up, come on up, come on up. I wanna talk with you for a second, please. Let me just talk with you, then we're gonna pray for you. Come on up, my goodness. Come on, come on, come on, there's more. The Lord just said, they know there's more, don't, don't start yet. This is, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Boy, you, you talk about the devil being scared. Oh, he's shaking in his boots right now. He's like, oh, didn't see this coming today. Now I'm just gonna tell you, because if you trust me at all, the one thing I do know how to do is your God. And he just spoke to me again and said, don't you dare move into what I've called, told you to do here until you give them about 30 more seconds. You're just trying to get a big altar call. How? That, that's an insult to the, to the Holy Ghost. It makes you mad. You got about 20 seconds, anybody. There's, there's no pressure to, there's no pressure at all. And if you need to leave, you, thank you for coming. Please come back next Sunday or this Wednesday, whenever the next service is. They're coming, they're coming. Why would God tell me to stop? He'll stop one service for one person any day of the week just because he loves you that much. They're still coming. that little song there's room at the cross for one it's always room <clears throat> here's how I do it whether I'm in an arena with a bunch of people or in a small juvenile detention center with three or four kids I invite everyone in the room to pray this prayer for salvation out loud with me therefore those who did raise and there were a bunch of hands for salvation therefore those who did raise their hand we're all in this together you're not you don't feel isolated by yourself can we do that this is yes. Good. Let's pray this out loud. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe that Jesus was on this earth, that he lived a perfect life and died a horrific death for me. I believe he went to hell, so I wouldn't have to. I believe you raised him from the dead. And today, I believe Jesus you were seated at the right hand of the Father, talking to him about me. Jesus, forgive me for where I've sinned. Come live in my heart. Be my Lord, be my Savior. From this minute forward, I'm yours, you're mine. Let's just hang out. Let's just do life together. In Jesus' name. 
I lose about half the audience every time those last two sentences because they're like, how can you talk to God like that? I'm like, how do you talk to God? If I talk to God in King James, go, God, wherefore does thou wantest me to go? It's just like, over there, it's like, why are you talking so strange? But if I go, hey, God, what's happening? He'll go, I am what's happening because his word says I am that I am. We're going to do it just a little differently right now. Because when you have an anointing to do something, you need to operate in your anointing, right? The anointing that God's given me is to kind of see things prophetically and to lay hands on people. And if the Lord tells me to tell you something, this isn't going to take long. If he tells me to tell you something, I will. If he doesn't tell me to tell you something, I won't. Don't get offended and go, well, you didn't give me a word. I've given you a word for the last hour. What are you going to do when you don't have a pastor you can run to and you're in the middle of nowhere by yourself? You better know how to tap into heaven's presence and get God's attention. For those of you who've got hidden things, here's what the Bible says, that when you allow God by his spirit to illuminate, to light up, to reveal, he then gives us the opportunity to do something about that. We can reject it or we can accept it. We can, we can say yes to him or we can say, ah, not ready. But today you've made a, you've made a step in a direction. You put, you put in a corresponding action with your faith and God's gonna show up. For those of you who have been abused, if no one else ever tells you this, let me tell you on behalf of God, I am so sorry that happened. And you didn't deserve it and you didn't cause it. It was someone who was being controlled by the devil. Well, where was God? Here's my question. If you're such a good God, why did you such a bad thing happen to me? And I had to learn that we live in a fallen world and we have to take a stand with his word as our shield, the shield of faith. But I will tell you by the spirit, forgiveness is the key. As much as you don't want to do it, much as I didn't want to do it, if that person walked down this aisle, I would have nothing in my heart. Nothing. And just so you know, I'm convinced there's coming a day that's going to happen. And that's going to be tested. But I'll pass the test. So, if you're interested, before I do this, I know what's going to happen. This book, Accepted, is back at our table. We've got a devotional that I wrote for teenagers. It's back there, but a lot of adults get it because it's a daily devotional. We've got You Matter. Let me see that t-shirt real fast. Please, Joseph. This is Joseph. He works with us. Why does that keep happening? You matter. These shirts are worn all over the place. We see them. Do we have a bracelet? For every $5 you put down on our table, I put a bracelet on a kid's hand. It says, you matter, and it says, you matter.us. It's our website. It's got Job 33.4 on it. I get pictures, screenshots from kids in South Africa, from South Australia, Cuba the other day. Kids are wearing these all over the world because people just help us give them to them. Then I've got this book called The Holy Spirit Counselor, Helper, Friend. It's my newest book. Um, it just talks about the Holy Spirit. They're all out there. If you ask me what they cost, I don't know because I'm never back there to know what they cost, but they, they cost something. So thank you. So all I'm going to do is touch and agree that in Jesus' name, whatever you need from him is done.